0: Today is a big day in the Christian church, you know. I mean, this is like the biggest day. People get excited about Christmas, and and that's awesome because that's when God came to earth as, as Jesus. But today is the big day. Today is the Super Bowl of days for Christians. Today is the Super Bowl and Game Seven of the World Series and the Daytona 500, whatever else you like out there. Today's the day. If we're going to get excited. Today's the day to get excited. The reason that we get excited is because Jesus is no longer dead. Jesus is alive. We get to celebrate that today. And because Jesus is alive, we have hope. Amen. Now, I'm not talking hope like the Vikings might win a Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm talking real hope. And that is why we celebrate that Jesus, our Savior, is alive. This morning, we're going to do something that's going to going to be a little bit different for you. We're going to talk not just about an empty tomb, but we're going to talk about a cross. And I hope by the time we're done here, it's going to challenge the way that you think about and see crosses in your world. But before we get there, I want to read from Matthew 28. It's one of the texts that talk about that first morning when the women went to the tomb to see Jesus. Matthew 28, verse 1, now after the Sabbath... So for the Jewish people, this would have been Saturday. Their Sabbath would run from Friday night at sundown to Saturday night at sundown. Toward the dawn of the first day of the week, that would be today. That would be Sunday. That's why we celebrate resurrection on Sunday morning. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb, and behold, there was a great great earthquake. Why was there a great earthquake? Think about it for a moment. There was a great earthquake because heaven just broke through to earth. And what was happening with Jesus leaving that tomb literally shook the foundations of our world. It changed history and it gave us a reason to celebrate that will never be beat. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. I said earlier on a side note, I kind of would like to have seen that. The angel just rolling this big stone away that no one could figure out how to move and then just sitting down on it, Chilling. That'd be kind of cool. His appearance was like lightning. And his clothing, white as snow, and for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. You've got to realize these guards were rough and tough Roman soldiers. They'd faced the worst the world had to offer. And because of the earthquake and this angel, these rough, tough soldiers trembled and passed out and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, and we've got to understand here, the women did not pass out when the soldiers did. The women were still standing. Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, the angel said, for He is risen, as He said. Jesus is alive. Changes everything. And if that doesn't change everything in your world, boy, I'd love a chance to talk to you some more. He's not in the grave. He is risen just as He said. Jesus is alive and He's a promise keeper. He did exactly what He said He would do. Which means if Jesus can keep that promise, it means Jesus will keep every promise. So no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, when the Bible says that Jesus loves you, He means it, period. There's nothing you can do that's going to take that away. So He is risen. He is risen indeed, but what does that mean? What does it mean to you and what does it mean for you? Today, as much as we gather and we celebrate as a group, today should be a very, very personal day for every one of us. Because today hinges on whether or not you believe that Jesus is alive. If you don't believe that Jesus is alive, then today is just another day. I had an eye opener this week. A week before here, I was at a restaurant. And I was sitting a couple of tables away, and there was a group of adults. They were so excited. They're looking forward to Easter. They kept talking about Easter. I can't wait for Sunday. I thought, wow, this is going to be good. They must go to a really cool church or something. And what they started talking about was, well, all the family was going to be in town. And they all had their menu worked out and and they had all this candy and baskets and and bunnies and fake grass for the kids. And and I believe it was three times I heard that they'd spent $200 on all this stuff. Then I kept waiting for why they were excited. Because they kept saying they were excited about Easter. And then I heard that they'd even gotten the orange chocolate eggs. That wouldn't get me excited. And I just shook my head and it was so sad. Those folks are excited about Easter. And all that it meant was bunnies and eggs and candy and food. That was all they talked about. I listened. So I did leave them a card, invited them to church. They looked at me like I was crazy. But if you happen to be here, folks from the restaurant, thank you for coming. Because what you're going to see and what you are experiencing right now is the real celebration. I'm not sure what the word Easter means. I've heard of where it comes from. But I do know that today, every single one of your area local churches are gather with churches all over the world not celebrating Easter. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That is a celebration. Amen. Amen. And that is why we're here. And if you happen to be here from the restaurant, thank you for the example for the message. But I wondered if those people really knew. I wonder if they cared. I wonder if it mattered to them what I was so excited about. I wonder if they had any idea that that today really isn't about bunnies and eggs and chocolate and candy and all of that. That's the world's idea of Easter. And we're sold that one like crazy. But I I wonder if they had any idea that today is really the world's single greatest reason to rejoice come to life. Today is the day that we remember that Jesus, who was put to death on a cross, three days later walked out of a grave to new life. He defeated death and He was resurrected from the grave by God the Father to a new life. But it's more than that because He invites us to do the same. See, today is the day that we tell the world of the resurrection of our Savior. We're all here today because Jesus made a choice. Jesus Christ, the only Son of our God, our Savior, is no longer dead and He is alive. But Jesus made a choice to do something three days ago. To endure the inhuman brutality of the cross in order to die to pay the penalty for our sins and somehow or another God used what was the most unimaginably brutal thing that the world had ever seen, the cross. And somehow because of the Son of God, it has been turned into the international symbol of divine love. I don't know much about you, maybe as far as what you prefer for jewelry. But as for me, I'm not much of one for jewelry. I've never had an ear pierced. Truly, Mom, I've never had an ear pierced. Never had a nose pierced. I'm just not into jewelry. I've got a bald head, and that's about as brave as I dared yet. But I know a lot of people like crosses for jewelry. It's not a bad thing, and I'm not suggesting that it is. But it's very popular. And I wonder when we go out there and we look at all the people who wear crosses for jewelry, if they really know what they're wearing. I did a simple search on the Internet and I said, I said celebrities wearing crosses flooded with pictures. I don't know who they are and what they believe, but I know they like wearing their crosses. I wonder why people are so quick to put a cross to hang from their ears or to hang from their necks. Have you ever thought about it? What's your reason? What's, what's the message? See, 2,000 years ago, the most frightening killing force on the planet Earth was the Roman army. They were great in number. They were exceedingly well-trained. They were well-armed. They were well-funded. The Roman army was a government killing machine without equal. They didn't stop for anyone, and it seemed for a long time no one could stop them. They conquered foreign countries with... The use of size and speed and overwhelming force and simple fear and intimidation. When people heard the Roman army on the march and those leather-soled sandals hitting the ground by the thousands, they knew it wasn't good. The Roman army intimidated and terrorized everyone they came in contact with. And the reason they were so frightening was that everybody knew that they would kill anyone and everyone Who stood in their way? They became, in fact, notoriously famous for the way that they turned death into a sport and spectacle. We read about them now and we watch movies and we think, what in the world were those people thinking? How could they have done it? We all heard of the Roman Colosseum. The gladiator games, right? It's the stuff of gory, bloody, just disgusting legend. Thousands of people would gather to watch people killed in every gruesome way that the twisted minds in the Roman government could conceive of. They allow people to kill each other. They killed people with animals. They, they allowed lions and tigers and bears. And don't do it. They kill people for fun and for sport and for entertainment. But you know what way they spent the most time perfecting? The way of taking a human life that they put the most effort, they paid the most attention to? was the most simple and brutal and horrific of all. In fact, Rome became so good at killing people this way that they themselves decided that they needed to stop. They became so proficient because it was so simple. What they did was to strip a man and beat him, to humiliate him and put him in pain. And they'd make him walk and then they'd lay down a simple wooden cross onto the ground and they used three long metal spikes to nail first his hands into the crossbars and then his feet. And then they'd drop that cross into the ground and leave him to hang until the dying man suffocated to death. That was what they did to Jesus. We don't often talk about that on the morning like this. We gathered Friday night and there was a drama that was exceedingly well done that put us very much in touch with what Jesus went through. So how did the cross go from an incredibly simple but effective Roman killing machine to high-fashion jewelry? Ever thought about that? Think about all the other things that have been used throughout history to kill people that we don't wear. Why then the cross? Quite simply, I believe it is through the overwhelming power of God's divine love that conquered all of the death and all of the hatred that Satan and the world could possibly throw at Jesus. Because it's a reminder of who we are and how much Jesus loves us. The love of God the Father, our Creator and Redeemer, conquered the hatred of the Roman army and the people of Jesus' day, just like God conquers hatred and sin today. See, Jesus hung on that cross, chose to go there specifically because of the sin that has filled the heart of every man and every woman that's ever been born, born, and that includes you and I. Jesus was beaten and nailed to a cross and died for you and I as payment for our disobedience and our sin. That might seem like a cause to celebrate, but you know we don't. We don't celebrate on Good Friday. In fact, we get very quiet. The celebration, in fact begins today. Celebration actually becomes rejoicing. Why? Because of God's love and because of Jesus, death did not win. The grave could not hold and Satan could not defeat the love that God the Father and Jesus the Son have for you and I. Just think about that. The very best of the very worst that the Roman army could gather was not enough The love of God shone through even all of that. All of the hatred, all of the cruelty that the world could heap onto Jesus wasn't enough to keep Him in the tomb. So whatever your choices are, whatever your disobedience is, whatever your stubbornness or pride or addiction, whatever your sin happens to be, whatever it is inside you that says that you don't need Him, you know what? None of that is too much to keep Jesus from saving you from your sin. And that, my friends, is a reason to celebrate. That is why we have hope. So on this Resurrection Sunday, then I'm going to ask you, what does the cross mean to you? Maybe you wear crosses in your ears, or you wear a necklace of a cross. We've even got people who have tattoos of crosses. What do they mean? What does the cross mean to you? Because today, if it's nothing else, today has to be a personal day. Today has to be a day about your decision, about your belief. Is a cross a morbid reminder of how cruel people can be to each other? Maybe it's just an ancient reminder of your own mortality that one day you'll die. You hope not so miserably. Is it a picture of your own impending doom and death? Or maybe it's a, a reminder of the battleground between good and evil, heaven and hell, God and Satan. Maybe it's a symbol of just how much Jesus of Nazareth, God's only Son, loved you. So much so that He gave His life as payment for your sin so that you would not have to pay the ultimate price of dying in your sinful ways. Is the cross of Christ a sign of God's love for you? A reminder that there was no price. There was nothing in the world that was too much, including the price of His own life, that Jesus was not willing to pay for your soul. Even His own death on the most terrifying thing that the world could come up with. Death on a cross was not too much. That is how much Jesus loves you. And the empty grave that we celebrate today is a reminder that that love was enough to pay the price for our sin. So now please be clear about something here, and and this is something that gets confusing for some folks. Some people... Present the gospel in such a way that the only people that are going to live forever are Christians. That just isn't true. The Bible doesn't say that. What the Bible says is that we're all going to live forever. We are eternal beings. There's a great message here not long ago about that. And we are living in eternity now and the choices that we make have eternal consequences. The question that you have this one life to answer is this. Where will you live forever? It isn't a matter of whether you will. The Bible tells us that you will live forever, but where? Some people say the Christian church made this whole idea up, the, the whole idea of heaven and hell, because what we wanted to do was scare people into church to try to take their money from them. But you know, that, that isn't historically plausible. It doesn't work that way. It simply isn't true. Because hundreds of years before Jesus was even born, the writer of the Old Testament book of Daniel said this in Daniel 12.12, 12, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. There it is, hundreds of years before Jesus, everlasting life for the good and for the not so good. Some with shame and contempt and some everlasting life. One we call heaven, one of them we call hell. Christians didn't make this up. This is all a part of God's plan. It's been a part of this since the first human was created. See, God's done all of the work already. All He leaves to you and I is the choosing, the believing. That's what you have to do. You have this life to decide what you believe. You have this life to decide what today represents and what you celebrate. And He's made it so simple as that all we have to do is believe in the death and the resurrection of Jesus for our salvation, to call ourselves sinners, to understand who we are, and to realize the only hope that we have is Jesus Christ. Or not to. You have the chance to make that decision for yourself. We all do. But you only have this life to do it. See, God used the cross, that that ancient tool of shame and contempt and humiliation, to hold His only Son who took our sin upon Himself. And in so doing so, the results of which caused an earthquake on earth that forever shook the foundations of our eternal existence. See, God alone could take the horror of the cross and turn it into the international symbol of love. See, I know that that's true because we wear crosses not because we're afraid of them, but because they say something to us. We wear crosses because there's a message, believer or non-believer, a message of a good thing. We wouldn't wear it if it was evil, if it hurt, if we wanted to turn our eyes to it, no. See, the international symbol of love, the cross... Breaks through in the person of our Savior Jesus. But first, you must believe. Otherwise, today is just another ordinary Sunday. It's just Easter about bunnies and eggs and candy and food. But if you believe that Jesus died to pay the penalty for your sin and He rose to a new life so that your sins could be forgiven, if you believe in Him, today is Resurrection Sunday. And in addition to Jesus, like the song says, who is is God resurrecting? You and I. To a new life. To a new hope. To an eternity with Him. So what do you believe today? What about the cross? When you see one, is it just an option for jewelry? Or is it a reminder to you of the lengths that God will go to to show you How much he loves you. Only God can turn the cross, that symbol of death, into the undeniable international symbol of divine love, God's love, for you. Why? Very simple. That's why we're here. Because he is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank You for loving us so much that You sent Your Son Jesus to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And that is to pay the price, to pay the penalty for our sin. God, it isn't about us being good people or bad people. It's about Your perfect Son dying in our place. And all that You ask us to do is to believe in Him, to believe in You, to put our faith and hope and trust in Him. And God, when we do that today, We don't just celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the grave, but we celebrate that You resurrect from our old life to a new life in You. And for that, God, we give You unending thanks. We give You eternal thanks. In Jesus' name, Amen. Maybe. Today, you've decided to move from Easter to resurrection and saying, I'm going to accept Jesus as my Savior and that I want to be resurrected to a new life as well. If that is true for you, that is why we're here. We've got an awesome prayer team that will be up here after the service. They would love the opportunity to talk to you and to pray with you. Maybe you're just thinking that you strayed so far that you don't even know how to find your way back. They would love to pray with you about that as well. For all of us who are here though, I hope that when you walk out today, you will see crosses in a different way. That you'll see them and you'll recognize that it wasn't just a pain of torture and a way of killing people, which it was, but it also is a reminder of just how much Jesus loves you. He is risen. He is risen indeed.